Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. Thanks so much for joining me for the Daily Halacha and Kabbalah podcast. Uh, if you want more content like this, please check out yesodblocks.com where we have all kinds of stuff going on there. You can subscribe and join the growing family of Yesodblocks. And also wanted to mention, uh, again, that um, if you are interested in content that has to do with using this kind of deep Torah perspective, the whole uh, holistic and integrated and and framework type of approach to Torah to deal with some of the biggest issues that we all struggle with. So I recently put out a series called Tikkun HaYesod. You can find it on the Apple uh, Apple iTunes or on Amazon. And uh, both of those places you can purchase it for $10, $9.99. And it's a two and a half hour long series, basically deal, taking all these Torah frameworks and concepts and perceptions and then applying them to how to respond and deal with the dark side of the internet. So that's uh, also available on esodeblocks.com if you're a subscriber, or you could just purchase it separately on Amazon or on iTunes. So definitely check that out if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's uh, a very uh, powerful set of tools that the Torah really gives us to deal with these things. Now for today's halacha, so we're still in the very beginning of the Shulchan Aruch, and we're going to be jumping around as we go, but for at least the few, first few episodes, there's a lot of stuff in the beginning of the Shulchan Aruch that's super uh, easy and super fun to really dig into in this way. So we're in Simon Aleph, Sif Aleph, and Sif Aleph is really a, a pretty long one. So we're up to the longer Ramah. This is a pretty well-known one, and so I really want to spend a little time really unpacking it. And it says the following. It says, uh, Haga, that's the Ramah's introductory, just so you know that it's the Ramah's uh, comment now. And it says, Shivisi Hashem It says, um, you should try to put Hashem opposite, we should try to put Hashem opposite ourselves all the time. This is like a big rule in the Torah, and it's one of the attributes of the Tzadikim. The ones who walk in front of Hashem. Uh, so there's this idea that you're basically supposed to um, put Hashem constantly in front of you to constantly try to keep Hashem, maybe it means in the forefront of your mind, maybe it means to think of Hashem as always being present, and we're going to see a little bit more in a second what exactly that means, and what that looks like. Um, and he expands on that. So a person's um, behavior and activities and, and, and things that he does are are, diff- are not the same when he's sitting in his house, um, as opposed to when he's in front of a, a big king. Um, so the way that you're going to behave in front of when you're alone is different than the way you're going to behave if you're in front of a big king. Um, the way you talk in front of your family is not the way that you talk in front of a king. And, and even more so when a person put, like, takes it to heart, even more so when a person takes to heart that the that the greatest the great king of existence that Hashem uh, who fills the entire world with his presence uh, is constantly standing there with him and sees everything that he does it says that if a person would try to hide in the hidden places and I would as if I wouldn't see him um, in other words Hashem sees all things and so if you can if you can access that perspective then it will immediately trigger Yira and Achna. Yira and Achna means basically intense, overwhelming awareness of Hashem's presence and a submission to that presence. Um, uh, with, with fear of Hashem. Uh, and you'll feel you'll feel embarrassed. In other words, you'll you'll constantly uh, think to yourself how you're now in front of Hashem, and so you shouldn't do things that are destructive or that you shouldn't do that violate who you are because Hashem is just right there and is an ongoing presence. You also won't be embarrassed in front of other people who mock you for doing Torah type things. Uh, which is a set, kind of like a second very important point here to, to, to understand that the the awareness of Hashem's presence also can 
can actually empower us to behave, not to, to actually stand up against other people, to stand up for what it is that we think is the truth. So the second point here. And then the last point that he makes is, Also when you're walking um, and when you're lying down in bed, you should kind of remember who you're lying in front of. And then when you wake up in the morning, you'll get up quickly, like efficiently and really move because you'll remember sort of like who you're in front of. So the this is really kind of like encapsulating um, the the main point that we mentioned already two episodes ago, which is that everything here is really about perception. In other words, this idea that some this is this is like a classic piece of halacha that often is quoted as a, almost like a motivating speech type of thing. And this is where you really get down to the difference between um, just what we can even use this 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 model. There's a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where the author Stephen Covey just differentiates between two different ways of thinking about evolution of a person, growth of a person. One is what he calls the personality ethic, and the other one is what he calls the character ethic. And the personality ethic is essentially how this is often taught. Unfortunately, it's a very motivational speech type of orientation where we just kind of we say to you, yeah, just try to think about how Hashem is right in front of you all the time. And like, if somebody gives you a bunch of, you know, nice, uh, inspirational stories uh, about Hashem or about things that happen to people that really help to emotionally push this perspective, then you can be inspired by that for like a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months um, in a very motivational speech type of, type of vibe. And that is where you now externally are like trying to graft a certain way of being, a certain way of behaving onto your personality um, on, on almost like an external level from the outside in. That's that's how that is is shaped. And then in contrast, so um, Dr. Covey brings this example of uh, of the character ethic, where you actually go deep inside of your character and you actually become a person who sees the world in this type of way. And that's actually a it's an inside out type of change. Uh, and that exact framework exists also in Kabbalah, which is basically that at the root of your personality, you can think of your entire your entire set of tools that you use to interact with existence is like a stack uh, where there's the deepest part, which is you can think of like the top of the stack, and then there's the most external part, which is the bottom of the stack. And so what you want to do is you want to basically, you can either do the personality ethic is where you go to the, the bottom of the stack, which is basically how you do things, um, and that's your external behaviors, and you can try to motivate yourself in some kind of superficial, maybe emotional way, which are lower parts of your stack. Emotions and behaviors are like the most external aspects of your personality stack. Um, or alternatively, you can dig into the deeper space, which is the, the world of Das and the world of thought, and the core is really the world of Das, which we mentioned in the last couple episodes, the world of perception. That's where the Eitzah Das uh, really installed its taint and its, its distortion capacity. So our world of perception is now c- capable of being distorted, and that's why we actually have a hard time with things like this, because when fundamentally you actually perceive things in a way that is um, contradicting to these types of Torah perceptions, then you're not going to just be able to, to be the way that these types of texts uh, recommend. So when the text here says, oh, if you just, um, you know, you should, you, a person who, who, who knows that Hashem is in front of them at all times will behave differently than a person who, beha- who, who does not think that Hashem is in front of them. Well, you can't just start behaving differently. You can't just say, well, emotionally, I connect to that a little bit, and now I want to behaviorally change how I do things. You have to actually dig deep into the uh, core of how you see things, which is why this whole halacha is really about that. This halacha is you have to actually see Hashem as present, and then with all of its attendant implications. And so when you can actually upgrade your perceptions, your das, your deot, 
to actually uh, see things in a different way, then you can expect to start having those results where, like he says, miyad, you'll start to feel, immediately you'll start to feel, um, you know, fear, or you'll start to feel uh, yira, and you'll have, you'll have, you'll submit to Hashem. And so we're going to give a couple of examples of how to do that right now, but that's the core point that we really have in this halacha that you can't ignore. You can't just read this and just be like, now I feel inspired, or if you hear a shear on it, you know, like, you know, kind of like just someone saying to you, just imagine that Hashem is in front of you. Imagine, imagine if you could actually imagine that Hashem is in front of you. One of my teachers used to always say things like that. He used to say, um, uh, if you could just imagine, if you could, you know, if you if you could just aspire to will to want that things would that you'd actually be this way, that you actually see things this way. Well, unfortunately, we don't see things this way very often. Our underlying perceptions are not this way, and there is a way to change that. Perceptions have mechanics to them. That's really the whole the whole thing that we're talking about right now is that that your world of perception has a way that it functions, and if you don't understand how it functions, you don't learn about its mechanics. So then you can't be surprised when your perceptions don't really change and you have these oscillating waves of ups and downs where you're sometimes inspired because something hits you emotionally a little bit and you hear some kind of an emotional story or some emotionally uh, t- tilted sheer that then makes you feel a little bit more like you wish you could be better and then you just you know you, maybe you do that for a little bit and then uh, you just continue back the way that you were before this is the whole phenomenon of new year resolutions in the non-jewish world it's like we take on some kind of new resolution because of some kind of local inspiration and then it doesn't really stick because we don't actually change on the level of our core our perceptual world, the way that we actually see existence. And so here, uh, the idea of seeing that Hashem is right in front of you at all times, in order to really do that, you really have to learn Torah about Hashem. This is literally the purpose of Yesod blocks. I mean, like what we're doing here is we are trying to articulate uh, sophisticated, uh, integrated frameworks of perception of who Hashem is. We're taking your lens of Hashem and we're filling it in and we're showing you all these different com- uh, components of what it really means when we say that Hashem is, you know, the source of reality, that Hashem is the core of yourself, that Hashem is the the, the meta-consciousness and that you are a fragment of that and that you are uh, connected to that and that you are a, a reflection of that. And so these are all concepts that are not just like ideas that when you hear them, you're like, okay, like wrote that down. Now I kind of heard that and, and, and I have notes on it. Like, when you when you start to think about the nature of yourself, like just take that as an as an example, right? When we talk here about Hashem's presence, that Hashem's presence fills the whole earth. So here's an analogy for you that you can use to access this perception a little bit. When you meet another person, so when you and you're talking to them, so what exactly is the part of that experience that is the they that it is that you're encountering? Think about that question for a second, right? Like what exactly is they what exactly is the the them that you're meeting that person that self that you're now meeting so it's not the physical characteristics right let's just contrast you take a person imagine the scenario in your mind again try not to let the emotions of this cloud your judgment take a person in your mind and then imagine side by side construct you know one construction of them is just them talking to you alive lively animated self-expressing all the things that make us you know what we are and then in contrast have like a dead version of them where there's just the body the husk that's left when they are gone which is what death is so contrast those two things and what's what's there in the first example and what's not there in the second example well there's no real word for that uh, to actually describe the experience of it we have a word that the torah assigns which is the word neshama and the word in english we use as the word consciousness but these are just words that we use to label something which is absolutely undefinable you cannot actually define that 
intangible experiential thing that is a person that is now shining through and shining out of their eyes and shining through their body and, and all their expression, their behavior, their body movements. You just, it's, it's, the Torah's language for that is, is light. It's the light of their soul. It's the light of their self is now shining out of the body. And so their presence is sort of like omnipresent in the context of that body. In other words, you can think of it, if the body is the world of that person, so my body is the world of Zev Bannett, and everything about the body of Zev Bannett is now filled with the presence of Zev Bannett, the soul, the self, the neshama. And so that's an actual thing that you experientially know to be true. When you encounter another person, you perceptually experience that. And so when we say here that Hashem's presence fills the whole earth, so we're talking about that type of phenomenon. In other words, we're saying that that all of existence is ju just like your body has this invisible, intangible, indefinable uh presence that is shining out of every pore. So we're saying that all of existence has that. The entire universe, the entire world can be thought of as Hashem's body. This is actually what the Gemara in Brachos, I think it's on Davav or Davzayan, says explicitly that all of existence actually operates as Hashem's body and Hashem's self shines out of every single pore of existence and is the manifestation of Hashem's self. And so that's just an example of how you actually, you actually experience that truth all the time. Now, if I just told you that, oh, Hashem just fills the entire universe and like, you know, it's like it's his body. So you might not access a, a, perceptu a perceptual shift, a paradigm shift in the world of your perceptions because you might just be like, well, what does that mean? But when I show you an analogy that connects that to an experience that you have all the time, that you are actually constantly interacting with an invisible self that is shining out of the other person's body, and you actually perceive that. You can't point to it. You can't measure it. You can't see it with your actual eyes, but you perceive it with this other sense, the sixth sense that we call the das. So your perceptual world is what you use to grasp that or to experience that. So once you kind of can identify that's the part of you that you need to, to use to encounter this the intangible truths that is a neshama, and we say, well, just like the neshama shines out of the out of the body, so Hashem shines out of the entire universe. You can actually have a direction to look and to develop the perception that we're talking about here. And then there's so much more. I mean, that's just one example, one analogy of Chazal. Literally from a Gemara, there's a thousand, a million of those types of, of analogies, and there's a whole map of knowledge specifically for the world of perception, how to actually harness it and use it. That's really what and halacha is just the the practical expression of that giant map. So when we talk about learning Torah, and like the point of learning Torah, it's to develop that map. And halacha is just the practical manifestation of that. So here, that's what the Ramah is talking about. When he says you should try to have Hashem right in front of you at all times, so he is basically telling you, you have to use the Torah to develop a map of truth, a map of reality that is deep and holistic, that you actually can see the world through that lens. And this really goes again back to the Eitz Adas, because you can choose how you, what kind of lens you use to see the world. You can choose that, and we choose it often out of habit. We don't even realize that we're making a choice. We just develop ways of seeing the world from TV shows, from movies, from our, from how we were raised, from things that we've heard different teachers say, and we just develop ways of evaluating reality that are just completely, again, they don't come from within us. They come from experiences that we've had and situations we've encountered, and then that combines with our own personal 
uh, things that we're whatever it is that we're drawn to in the local time. Like when you're when you're 10 years old, so there are certain things you're drawn to when you're 15, when you're 20, when you're 25. These are just there's different types of things that you resonate with. You might hear a comment made by somebody and say, "Wow, that really resonates with me," and that can go really deep inside you and actually become one of your perceptions. And you don't realize that that perception might be a very false perception or, or only a partial truth or in some ways conflicting with Torah perceptions. And then you can't be surprised when you have a hard time uh, seeing Hashem because if we don't actually constantly take in perceptual material from the Torah framework, which is essentially how Hashem sees existence, right? Think about it. Every lens on earth has some truth. When you watch, uh, you know, a Marvel movie, superhero movies, there's truth in those movies. The, the truth of, of the, the, the human spirit able to, able to overcome obstacles and to fight good with, uh, to fight evil uh, with good. And these are all true concepts, but when they are taken too far out of context and they're not locked into their real, to where they really belong, so then you're only getting a partial picture of Hashem's world. But Hashem has the whole picture, and the Torah is the is the framework that includes all of these things. And so you can watch Marvel movies, but you should have the Torah framework be the meta framework that you're constantly accessing to contextualize these other perceptions that you're picking up from other places. But instead, we often have we have this battle in our minds. We have the Torah framework, we have other things, and then we're like, well, you know, I I kind of uh, I see how the Torah is true here, but you know, this seems to be more true now. I think these ideas, these popular ideas about the world today, are more true than the Torah's framework. And so these are the conflicts that we constantly experience. And so here, what we're really seeing, what the Ramah is talking about here, is that you can actually access this perception of Hashem's presence, and you can real. And when you do access it, when you realize that Hashem is the ocean of self, and yet you are a subcategory of that, that He is the root of your being, and that you, He is the core of your self-worth, and that you are actually a divine being in the world, and if you can actually plug into that, well, of course, then you get all these results, right? Number one, you have tremendous awe of Hashem, because it's like, that's that's the rest of me, and look how vast it is, like, it's this endless self that I, I, I am this microcosmic version of that, and you can have fear of that, because you don't want to violate, you don't, you're, you suddenly realize that as a divine being, your choices actually mean something, and that if you make choices that are destructive, you can destroy something that is profound and deep in the world. And so you have fear of that. And then, and then you also have hachna, which means you're submit, submitting, submission, because you recognize that you're part of a larger whole and that your your peace, your endless peace that you are actually is part of a larger framework. You, you're not just this random, you know, screw loose inside of a giant machine. You're actually like a piece of a story that is that is unfolding. And you also won't be embarrassed in front of other people because you know who you are. You know the truth of yourself. You know your core. You know your root. You know that you are a divine being and you are clear on what that means. It's not just this vague concept, this vague term, but you actually have the total map, a uh, perception map of the truth of yourself. I mean, this is, you know, today we grapple a lot with self-esteem. There's a lot of discussions about that, but this is the core. This is the key to self-esteem. Self-esteem does not come from from temporary inspirational quotes or temporary inspirational ideas or or therapy sessions that are just also kind of like unearthing something important by yourself, which is very good. You should do that. But then kind of just not getting to a, a, a holistic total picture of yourself. Self-esteem comes from true self-knowledge. When you know what you really are, like if, if what you really were was nothing, like right, let's let's say you let's say you learn what you are and it turns out you're actually nothing. Well then there is no self-esteem because you're nothing. But but in, in, in reality, what the Torah is conveying here, and unfortunately many secular perspectives do convey to us that we are nothing. Uh, especially in social media today, there's a massive, massive uh, embedded perception when you're on social media a lot to feel like you're no one and nothing because look at all these other people who are something and someone and they're all out there and they're all getting all these likes and hits and whatever and you and it's very easy to feel then like you're no one and that's a that's a false perception that is being broadcast by these types of platforms. So 
the Torah framework basically says that you are you are an endless someone and that you are immortal, irreplaceable, absolutely um, uh, priceless, and and that actually has meaning. It's not just like this random idea. Like that has implications of how you need to be, and when you actually live in a way that actual actualizes that. So then you experience yourself more and more profoundly as someone. This is what it says about Yaakov in Parshas Vayeshlach, that he actually reaches that point where the text calls him El. It says, Vayikralo El, Elokei Yisrael. Hashem called Yaakov El. El meaning a power, a force, because when you're like this, then you become a force. And so that's really the core, the source of real self-esteem is true self-knowledge. When you know that you are someone special and that you are something special and that you are irreplaceable, then your self-worth skyrockets. And then you can, you, when you really understand what your self-worth is, is and what it's from, you can then manifest that in a way that is in harmony with your true nature and be who you're meant to be. So it's really the actualizing of your true self. That is what the Torah has always been about. Unfortunately, religious perversions of the Torah, distortions and bastardizations that we find in a lot of other, first of all, in, in Christianity and Islam and other religions, but even that has then reflected back into the Torah itself that people start to think the Torah is a religious system, which is all about just restricting you, making you do what some guy in the sky wants you to do, uh, and you have no power, no autonomy, you're, it's a competition between you and him, competition of wills. He wants you to do this, and you want to do that. And that's how we also teach halacha. It's like there's what you want, and there's what the, what the Torah wants. And if you don't do what the halacha says, you're just going to get in trouble. That is unfortunately the distortion, distorted uh, map of Torah that has been shared in a lot of contexts. Uh, and this is really coming also uh, to, to undermine that and to try to bring the truth and light of the Torah back into the world the way that it was truly intended and meant to be. Hope that was relatively clear and useful, and we will continue in the next episode with the next halacha. Thanks so much again for joining me, and please check out the rest of our content on YouTube and other podcast episodes and on yesoblock.com. Thanks again, and see you tomorrow.